Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Tlevi, and tackling your questions this evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, David, Wayne, good evening to you both. Um, Wayne, while we hook you up there, I'll start with David this evening. Um, it wasn't a great day on the market today. Um, the JSE overall ending down. There were some particularly hard falls. She's like Cecil and Sabanier, um, and the RAND is blown out. What's going on, David? Uh, well, yesterday we were so excited about bulletins numbers, so excited about what's happening to um, you know, uh, earnings that are coming from mining businesses. And today it went the other way. Um, so today it was, let's panic about the Fed again. You know, what's the Fed going to say in the minutes? Are they going to be aggressive? You know, they're, they're more interested in pushing up rates than they are about growth. So everything just went the other way. Commodity prices came down and so on. But, but in all fairness, commodity prices have been under a bit of pressure. You know, we see the oil, look at Brent now at about 92. Yeah. And remember, not too long ago, we were at 128. So commodity prices are coming down on concerns about growth. But, but this is volatility that you must expect in these markets. So mm. uh, it's so hard to read it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, Wayne, I have to say, you know, an oil price at $92 a barrel is, is much more palatable than an oil price at $128 a barrel. Yes. And I suppose, you know, it's, that's one of the factors behind well, Sassel's fall. I actually think it's going to 70. <laughs> so I think in the not-too-distant future, we're going to see a $70. Everyone still makes money at 70. There's no shortage of oil anywhere in the world. Yeah. And demand is slowing. The economies are slowing down there. But then this surely, this, this yeah. equals a $70 barrel, not even a $90 barrel. But then surely by that point, all the shrieking over high inflation is going to die down yes. completely. Because totally. Absolutely. In, inflation is going to plummet, let's say, in the middle of next year. You know, you've got food inflation is already well off its peak. Commodity price inflation is already well off its peak. Oil inflation is well off its peak. So when you start measuring... They're, and they're all peaked in March, somewhere around there. So when you start measuring in March next year off the high level, these are all going to, in fact, be negative, hmm. strongly negative. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, so, so inflation is going to plummet. It's not going back to zero, you know, sustainably at zero or 2% or 0.2%, or but it's going back to a more normal operating range but then why do you have someone like who is a dr doom i actually don't know what his actual name is but the ft was running an interview that they did with him Rabini. saying he's uh, no oh, no not Rabini. Oh, from, um, from, uh, from you know the Henry 70s uh, exactly sorry i uh. sorry that i forgot the gentleman's name but he was saying the fed's got a shock in all the markets is that um but if you've got inflation that it's going to come um, unwinding rapidly, why does it have to shock in all the markets? I, you know, that's the whole point. I mean, even if you look at the housing numbers that are coming out of the uh, United States at the moment, the whole market's softening. So rents are going to come down. You know, if house yes. prices start to come down, you're going to see rents coming down. We've already seen airfares starting to ease back. We've already seen uh, secondhand cars and motor cars coming back. And, and yes, service levels are, are remaining high, but it's a rate of change. And even if they remain at these levels, you're not going to get 
service levels increasing at the same pace. So I think that's the bull case, and it's one of the reasons that we've seen uh, equity markets start to pick up. Simply the belief that that inflation has peaked, and you know what Wade has mentioned it. If we go into the numbers, you know, copper was ten thousand seven hundred. I don't know, it's in the seven thousands. Mm. So, so there are just so many examples of massive falls in prices. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into the questions because there's rather a lot this evening. Um, just to tick with resources because some of them uh, were under pressure today. Um, the question is, following today's drop in the share price in Kumba, um, I suppose after going ex-dividend, Kumba's now at uh, lows of 2021. What's the macro outlook on iron ore? Is this a buy at current levels or rather to be cautious given, it's, given the fact that it is a single commodity counter? Um, Wayne, what do you think? Look, I would still hang on 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 uh, on, on Kumba for a little while, but you know, there's been and we've spoken about this many many times. There's been no capital expenditure virtually at at all since uh, 2015. So there's no massive new supply coming. But I think, as far as the commodity prices are concerned, we've just got to live a little bit in this period now and just wait a bit during this period of slowing economic growth because the world's economy is going to slow down. I mean, UK inflation is over 10%. Interest rates are still going to go up, even though they will fall in the second half towards the end of next year on the back of the lower inflation. And I mean, just on more on David's point, you know, normally inflation is driven by excess demand. In other words, there was a credit, massive credit binge by someone somewhere in some sector and people build up huge amounts of debt, and there's so much demand, you could push the prices, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then it all collapses when interest rates are, 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 are raised. This time around, it's a supply issue. It's food wow. and oil. And I know there's also wages and also that, but it's mainly commodity. It's a supply side demand. And those prices have already peaked and are falling. You can look at virtually any commodity you want to iron ore, the whole lot. They've all peaked and they're falling. So this this time around, the inflation is not nearly as sticky as what we've seen in other instances where the Fed had to shock an all yeah. to get inflation back under control. Um, David, do you have any further thoughts on, on Kumba? Um, or shall I... I? You know, I looked at BHP's numbers yesterday. I, I couldn't believe um, the average price that they sold at was $113 a tonne. They mine it at $16 a ton. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. They make huge money. Kumba's in a similar position. I can't, I haven't got the number offhand, but I promise you it's not not much higher than uh, than 16. It could be 30, whatever it is. So, yeah, regardless of where, yeah. is it 30? Yeah. So, regardless of where iron ore is, unless it falls down to, to the 40s or 30s again, um, they're still going to make a huge amount of cash. What the Chinese are going to do, no one knows. They've got to stimulate their economy. Mm. And one way they do it is, is certainly by building roads to nowhere and, and expanding you know, that, that uh, urbanization and more business. So iron ore, yes, people are forecasting it down, but I, just don't be too quick to, uh, to get rid of it, you know, okay. to get rid of these 
these businesses. Okay. Um, here's a here's a bit of a a, um, a, a conundrum, I suppose. Oh, not a conundrum. Um, a brain teaser. Uh, a viewer says, um, "What would Anglo shares be worth if they hadn't unbundled Tangela? Do you think? Do you think? Uh, 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 I mean, uh, that's sort of a futile exercise. It's uh, very small. It was less than five percent, and remember, it was loss making. So, <clears throat> Anglo's is seven hundred and seventy billion. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'll try and look at that while, but I can't remember the market cap. It's a seven eight hundred billion rand company. Together is thirty, even yeah. with the rises. So, it it would have made very very little difference to uh, to Anglo's fortunes. And of course, Anglo shareholders still own that share if they didn't sell it. I mean, Anglo American didn't sell Tongela; they unbundled to their yeah. shareholders. Yeah. So if you kept it, you would have been in exactly the same position, maybe even slightly better, because if we just got so lost within Anglo American, as David was yeah. uh, saying. But just to come back to what you were chatting about earlier on, you know, maybe, maybe these platinum shares now, when you look at Sibanya after today, I mean, Anglo Plat Sibanya, these shares have halved. Eh? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we must start looking at buying them. I, I suppose I, I'm, I'm trying to divine maybe what the viewer is thinking, and I wonder if he or she is looking at Glencore and thinking this is the one commodity company that has kind of held up compared to an Anglo, and I suspect it's because of the coal operations, but maybe, but they're also bigger than Tungela as far as their, their, their coal business is concerned, I would suggest. I, I, I have a look at Tungela today. It's quite interesting because it's come dividend. 60 rand. And I mean, the share price is what, 330. It's at a 20% dividend yield. And I got, I got things wrong. I thought it was 20. I thought, I thought the ex-dividend date was two days. It's not. It's a month's time. But, you know, if you buy that now and coal prices hold up, you'll get 20% return now. And, and a year's time, you're going to get another 20%. I mean, in 13 months. So yeah. I, I can understand the attraction with these kind of dividend yields. That's a big if, no, though, because if coal prices had to fall, then you've bought the share at the top at 309 yes. rand. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's, and you know, you, you see the cyclicality specifically at the moment in the platinum shares. I mean, platinum shares, they paid out fat divvies the last trading time, you know, the last trading period, the last reporting period. Their earnings have halved, eh? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this I, is a, this, these are you've got to get some. You've got to get a coal expert. You've got to get Pitfulu, or you've got to get the Glencore boys, or someone like that to say what what's the outlook for uh, for thermal coal. Okay, we shall you know, do that. For what, what? Because there's no investment. There's no investment being made in those areas, so the prices can remain elevated for how long? I'm not sure. Mm. You know, until until further. Um, production of energy until we get further sources of energy. So I, I, I don't, that's my conundrum. That's a question I keep asking everybody and you're getting a well, if, what, that kind of answer. But I think the, the, the broader view is that prices can hold at these levels. Mm. Oh, certainly, you feel silly suggesting that you should have sold at maybe 218. Here it is at 309 rand. Um, um, just moving away from resources, uh, there's a, com uh, a question on um, Fortress. Um, and uh, yeah, the question is, um, the Fortress A and B shareholders did not agree on the proposed arrangements to collapse the dual structure today. Can the panel please advise on the possible way forward for Fortress shareholders? Which seems to be very silly because I don't think anyone is going to get out a dividend while you have the dual shareholder structure. So you have this impasse and everyone's probably um, peeved with each other uh, and no one seems to have won out of this.
I looked at the numbers, it was like 500 million versus 350 million, you know, for and against, and you need a certain level to actually pass it. So obviously there are people who are quite uh, peeved by what was suggested, you know, and I don't know the companies well enough to, to understand, uh, you know, it seemed to be a, a, a fairly reasonable proposition, but obviously there are a lot of people that object to it. Uh, for for whatever reason, Wayne is more closely associated with the property businesses. I know. Wayne, do you have? Can you help us out? I have no idea. On this on this particular one, I can't help. Mm -hmm. I, I I've never looked at Fortress in any detail, and I certainly know absolutely nothing about that A and B structure. Mm. Okay. I well, just didn't. Know, I just know that that one of the shares came under and, and huge pressure today. <laughs> well, um, I, I think the shareholders were hoping that this took place. You know, it took place and uh, they would get lots of B shares, but now they're back into the A's. Mm. So if you're a Fortress shareholder, I'm very sorry that we have not been able to illuminate um, things further. Um, but sticking with property stocks, and Wayne, sticking with you, uh, there's a question on Capco, and you have picked it in mm. the past. It says, it's one of the few shares which has not grown much from the low levels during COVID. I also understand that it's currently a property seller's market in the UK. So is it still yeah. a share that I should hold on to? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm very positive on Capco longer term. I mean, UK property has been in the doldrums for a little while and UK tourism has been in the doldrums. But right now you can't get a visa because there's such demand and you can't get a place on an airplane because there's such demand to go to the UK. And of course, 10% inflation doesn't help because interest rates are going up and that's never good for the property market. But you're buying proper quality, eh? Mm. I mean, you are you are genuinely, genuinely buying the fantastic assets here. Yeah. Longer term, I'm very positive about it. Yeah. But as the viewer says, if it's a property seller's market, you would expect then, um, I suppose, that buoyancy in the share price of these listed property groups as well. A buyer's market would suggest that you know the things are still pretty weak. Now look, I'm not too sure if it is a seller's market. I, I just don't know. Higher interest rates cannot make a good property market. Mm. It, just, it just can't. So, you know, I, I'm not that in tune with the UK market. All I know is I've got some relatives there. And to me, I would rather say it's a buyer's market than a seller's market. But yeah. as I said, I don't know. But Capco, I'm very confident to say, is a, is a high, high quality company. I mean, this thing has traded at... 70 rand a share, it's now 27 rand a share. Mm. And it hasn't really recovered from the COVID story. But, you know, once again, these are proper quality assets here. Yeah, okay. David, do you have any thoughts or shall I move on? No, you can move on. But I just, I just, it's one of those, I mean, if you understand the UK, if you understand London and you understand where Capco is, um, it's somewhere down the line this has to turn around. You know, I'm sure if you valued Buckingham Palace, you'd get the same poor valuation. <laughs> but, you know, it's still a major traction. And uh, uh, it's very difficult to understand why there has been no you know, turnaround in Capco's assets. Because yeah. they're superb. I mean, Covent Garden is, you know, what better quality can you get? Yeah. Well, as yeah. Wayne said, from a tourist attraction, anyway. Okay. Um, wait. Mm. Okay, well, coming back home, there's a question on um, Woolies and Spa. Um, uh, well, it just the viewer has just said Woolies and Spa, so I'm not entirely sure what they want us to ask about them. Um, David, any thoughts there? Um, Woolies, the assumption seems to be that Woolies is, is 
the, the, the retailer losing out big time to checkers yes. and to pick and pay. Do you think that's I, manifesting? Given the chart, I look, it's still a quality company. I mean, the recent results haven't been as sparkling as we have. There's new management there. I'm sure if you've looked at apparel sales, they're picking up, and I have no doubt that you're going to get better offerings from, uh, from Woolies. Um, so, you know, give it a chance. I'm not a great retail person at the moment. And uh, uh, even though we've had some very, very good numbers, I'm still a bit concerned about inflation. I'm still a bit concerned about the, the consumer coming under pressure. But today, retail stores were very, very strong. Mm. And spa was okay. I don't, you know, wait, yeah. wait to comment on spa. I mean, well, they're still very good numbers. Well, Wayne, we, we shall leave that to the end yeah. of the show. Yeah, um, but, I can leave that to the end but, of the show. Yeah. Wayne, just on, maybe oh, you have... Okay, okay. The only problem about giving your stock pick two or three days before and at our age, you forget which share you picked. <laughs> <so. laughs> <laughs> well, um, perhaps you can uh, uh, focus your mind on Woolworths. And also, if, if, if you related to the trading update that Truworth came out with yesterday, that was a stunning yes. update. Um, and no, I must say, I was quite... Uh, quite surprised because they essentially said everything that they've seen um, in terms of headline earnings growth is organic rather than acquisitive. They haven't been a very yes. acquisitive company. Yeah. I, Justifiably so, they gave a big song and dance about these results because they were good, because their results haven't been good for a while. I mean, hmm. that shares come under quite severe pressure for a sustained time period, but it was a very good set of results. Now, I think the clothing retailers in particular are slightly better off than the other retailers because they're not facing the same input cost pressures as everyone else, not the same margin pressures. You know, when you think of the food retailers, the price of the stuff they're buying in is going up strongly, whereas it's not the same with the clothing retailers. And and Truworth's results were extremely good. But, you know, we're coming to Willie's now to the question, um, I mean, Woolworths has had one problem after another. It was either the apparel or the houseware, or it was the food, or it was Australia, or what, you know, they've just had one problem after another. And make no mistake, you see the rebranding of Pick and Pay, where they're creating a middle, a middle brand now, where they're going to convert a significant number of their stores to this middle brand. But then the actual Pick and Pay is going slightly more upmarket, mm. and that's going to compete with Woolies and with Checkers. And of course, I mean, I've said it many times, the Checkers 60 knocks everyone else's yeah. delivery thing off the, off, you know, they just, they just, it's just fantastic. So Woolies has suffered, I think, a bit from, from uh, stealing market share by the other players. Mm. But Woolies is, is not a slouch in this game in South Africa. I mean, they will answer back. But the, you know, the shares 20 price earnings ratio is not cheap. Yeah. I, I just the the one point I, I sort of feel I have to mention is that uh, you say that um, the fashion retailers aren't as affected by input cost pressures as the food retailers, but they they are the ultimate discretionary purchase. Yes. So if if your budgets are being squeezed as a household because you're having to spend so much more on food and on transport, there's very little money left, I would imagine, to spend on a pair of shoes. Yeah, but they they're still selling. Yeah. You know, you know what, I, I was discussing it today, and there's one theme as well, is back to the office. You know, we've been slouching for yes, two and a half years. In the, we've in been slouching in tracksuits and t-shirts, and suddenly you've now got to go dress up to, uh, 
you know, go back to the office. And I wonder if that's not altering people's minds as well and spending. Because, you know, I mean, if you look at Tulis, if you look at Fashini, you look at the numbers, uh, they're quite sparkling, you know, yeah. at a time where you think that people would shy away. Yeah. So it, it might be something there. Well, I have to confess that because you're not coming to the studio, I'm wearing jeans and sneakers um, on the bottom. So I'm still sort of zooming <laughs> on the, the top half. Um, I suppose I probably shouldn't tell everyone that. But look, um, I, I, I can promise you one thing. Shapiro didn't slouch around at home in tracksuits. He's a very natty dresser. He would have put on his proper outfit every day. Or maybe his tracksuits would have been cashmere. So um, Cashmere and, yeah. and, and branded Louis Vuitton tracksuits. Yeah. Well, Wayne, we hate to think what you might have been slouching around um, your no, workshop. I, you wouldn't want to know about that. You're quite right. It, uh, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't designer tracksuits. Um, or designed to guard doors, for that matter. Um, there's a question on MediClinic, and the question is, um, it appears to be 101 Rand less a dividend. So as a holder, should I sell now at 99 Rand or wait? What would you do? I don't think it makes any difference. The, as far as I know, the, 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 the price right now relative to the takeout price, it's marginal. I think, you know, you have to wait a long time to get that price. By the time all yes. the uh, reports come out and all the approvals received, at the end of the day, you may as well, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem as though another offer is going to be made or anything yes. to happen. Mm. And uh, you know, against that, you may as well look for something else. If something pops up, yeah. you know, yeah. rather than just leave your cash there. Okay. Well, look, we were, we were fortuitous enough to have some MediClinic. We've sold ours because we've done the sums and... You know, you if you wait until the, you actually get the money, it's marginal. I, we 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 would we would rather have had the cash, cash now. We could spend on. it somewhere else. Okay, okay. Um, there's a question on Mondi, um, and it said, "Can you please explain why the market is not liking Mondi's acquisition of the Duino Mill in Italy, which was announced yesterday?" Um, is the it's a recycling? It's it's and it's from your part of the country. It's Italian. Whether they don't like it because it's Italian, I'm not quite sure. But I thought it was quite a good deal. I mean, it's and it fits in with where they're going. Remember, they're going to get the money from the sale of the, the of the Russian assets, which were quite hefty, about 25 billion rand. So I I, I don't know. One can't uh, can't judge it. Look, on the sale of the uh, Russian subsidiary, had quite a big run. It ran up about 10 percent. So yeah. whether this is just profit taking or adjustment, I don't know. But I, there's nothing in the deal that, that, that scares any, you know, that should scare you. Uh, Wayne, yeah, look, is there, of, or the other factors maybe behind Mondi? I think off. lots of shares are off 3 4 5% today, so I don't think you can say this is related to the deal. But, I mean, Mondi, if you think about it, Mondi's looking cheaper. Hmm. You know, this is a high-quality company. It's truly a high-quality company. It was smacked on the Russian assets. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting it at a, at a 7 8 Price-earnings ratio. Yeah. I mean, that seems it, it's genuinely looking quite cheap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very just quickly, um, uh, we have been asked a question on Adcock Ingram, which we never talk about. So I just wanted Ooh. to shoehorn it Ooh. in there before we get to your stock picks. Do you have any thoughts Should on this? Should never have done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, David, come on. Not really. I... I I'm I, I, trying to get my head around it because there's, there's quite a few moving parts in... In Adcock, whether it's the over-the-counter stuff, the you know the the ethical side, etc., and I, I really haven't got an opinion at the moment. I haven't looked at it 
I mean, it, did, it didn't actually trade today. And I do wonder if, if Adcock has just kind of fallen off people's radars in, in, uh, if there's actually any interest in it, which maybe is the frustration if you are an Adcock Ingram shareholder. Look, I mean, it's, 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 got, it's, it's very lowly rated. It hasn't really recovered from the, the lockdown. I mean, I know it's gone up, you know, 10 rand from the lockdown price, but it hasn't really recovered. It's a very low price earnings ratio share. The problem is it's less than 10 billion market cap. This is a small share. Hmm. And I suppose you've... Uh, Bidfest, how is, do they still have a significant shareholding? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's a long time ago from... That's, oh, it's almost eight years, eight, nine years ago that they bought that. I don't think they recovered the price yet. No, they paid about <laughs> 70 bucks, if I recall. Yeah, I, I don't think they've gone back. You know? okay. That's what you do. You buy in a boom and you wait for the next boom to get your money back. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, and even <laughs> the great deal makers of the world can boob too. Okay, very quickly, get into your topics. Uh, David, what, uh, would you, uh, what are you liking? I, I've got something that Wayne would love. That's Home Depot. And uh, no, I mean, it's, it's such a great store. And I just looked at their numbers. And, and what, what intrigues me is that they hold up despite all the issues against them, you know, despite worries of higher costs and so on. It just shows you how resilient uh, those kind of businesses are. So I, I thought it was a very good number. And it's just one of these perennial good performers. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, Wayne, I suppose, you know, you've got Build It in Spa. Uh, to, uh, yeah. So you've got, a, you've got that aspect of the business. But why do you like Spa as a whole? It's just a pure valuation thing relative to the other retailers. You know, it's, it's operating at a 30, 40, 50% price earnings ratio discount to the other retailers. I mean, the share price hasn't done that well. It, it has recovered a little bit in, 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 the, in the last very short while. But, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially now where it was at lockdown levels. Mm. You know, it's come under severe pressure in the last year, I suppose. Um, and I think it looks cheap, and this is a good quality company, and why not buy a good quality company at a decent price? Yeah, okay. We can say that a lot uh, about a lot of JSE shares at the moment. Uh, David Wayne, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And Bryce will be back with Stockwatch tomorrow night, same time, same place. Have a good evening.